I try not to focus on what could be and then try to just focus in the now, stay in the present and do what I can do, take the, the medications, the supplements to exercise, stretch, you know, do, do the things that I can do to counter it. And then whatever happens, happens, you know, if I'm eating right and doing all the things that I can do the best of I can and continue to learn and knowledge when new stuff comes and then that's triumph to me is, is that I'm not giving up no matter what. And I, like I said, I try to focus, stay in the present opposed to what could happen down the road. Welcome to Invisible Not Broken. Today, we're talking about chronic pain comparison, personal triumph, and staying in the present. Our host, Monica, is joined by author and physical trainer, John Frazier, who lives with ankylosing spondylitis. John, you've been so amazingly patient with me. You like stuck through emailing me while I had COVID and I had a flare. I think we've been trying to make this happen for like three months. Yeah, something like that. That's about right. I'm so sorry. And thank you so much for being patient with me and coming on. I've been really excited to talk to you because I'm such a strong believer in physical therapy. And to talk to a physical therapist who also is dealing with chronic issues, I, I really have been looking forward to this. So tell me a little bit about is what you're dealing with is it's one of those disorders that very few people have heard of. If they have, I think it's it's through the media. There's someone in Hollywood who had his sister had this and they were talking a lot about it. But it's one of those things that you hear about, you're like, I'm sorry, the human body does what again? Yeah. You explain it all the way through. Well, first off, first off, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And I, I really want to get the word out. Number two, I am a personal trainer, not a physical therapist. I want to make that distinction because a lot of times, you know, people get physical therapists upset if a personal trainer says that. Now, that being said, I've done a lot of post rehab stuff after a physical therapist has released someone, they send them to me and then I continue the exercises for them. But my name is John Frazier. If we've skipped over that, I started uh, my company, Frazier Fitness, when I was 22 years old. It's a personal training company. I've recently rebranded to Frazier Fitness Consulting because I'm branching out doing motivational talks and and uh, I can do, you know, I can design your fitness rooms and I'm, I'm doing, you know, classes for seniors. So I've kind of expanded just the one-on-one -on -one personal training part of my, my I think when I was 27, so when I was 22, I started Fraser Fitness, not knowing a thing about how to start a business as we were talking about. And then that's my whole life. I didn't know how to do anything and I just do it and then figure it out as I go. So at 27, I was diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis. We can just say AS. It's a hard thing for people to say. I've learned, I still can't spell it because I'm dyslexic. So I, I just, you know. I think I know, but I'm not sure. But anyway, we'll just call it AS or ankylosing spondylitis. It's in the arthritic family. So it is, a, it's considered a, either an autoimmune disease or auto adjacent or auto affected disease. And because of changing terminology sometimes. So in my book, I talk about it being an autoimmune disease, which it may or may not be, but it does affect your immune system. It does compromise your immune system. Essentially what AS is, is arthritis of the spine and hips. Your body attacks itself in flare-ups. It's quite painful, actually really painful at times when you have flare-ups. And basically what's happening is your spine is fusing. So it's being crushed by the arthritis and it's fusing together. Uh, a lot of times people hear about, you know, spinal fusions through surgery. It's very different than that. It's not the way you want your spine to fuse. There's not, there was a lot known about it. It was a very hard diagnosis back in the nineties when I was diagnosed 27 years ago. And it takes a certain doctor to know what he's looking for. And everybody, I've been talking to a lot of AS groups. I've been doing a lot of, you know, talks 
to the groups. And, and everyone talks about how difficult it was to be diagnosed back in the day. Now, the diagnosis is much more prevalent, but it is a very rare condition. I don't even know what the percentage is, but I'm sure it's probably less than 1% to the U.S. population having it. So that's kind of me in a nutshell, or at least the beginning. I'm so sorry. And part of what I'm dealing with right now is a word replacement. So I, I'm sorry I got that wrong with the, the physical therapist. No, that's okay. I, I have to correct people just because physical therapists will listen to this go, he know he's not. <laughs> you definitely hear it. It's, just, it's been so frustrating the last few months of like the word replacements in my brain where it's like I'm thinking one word and like another word comes out. Oh, so I want to talk to you about when did you start feeling the symptoms? Like when did you start knowing something was just not? Well, I mean, you know, everything's in hindsight, right? But I, I suffered in high school. I played football, ran track, lifted weight. You know, I was Mr. Athlete, you know, kind of thing. And I started having back pain earliest, you know, freshman year in high school. And my left side and my the rectus spinae muscle, which is the muscle that lines the lower part of your spine, was inflamed or overbuilt to the other side. And I could tell that it was bigger on that side and it, it caused all kinds of issues. And so, you know, and this is in the 80s. So, you know, the doctor gives me some muscle relaxants and a back brace and says, you know, it's, it's growing pains, you know, rub some dirt on it. You know, that's the, the kind of thing, you know, and you're in high school. What do I know? I have no idea. I just assumed everybody felt like that. I learned later that they don't, but uh, so I, I was in a lot of pain through high school and muscle relaxers just made me sleep during class. I mean, but I, I somehow continued to play football at a very high level, almost to the point where I got recruited to college, but it didn't work out. But, and, and thank God it didn't. I mean, like I said, everything in hindsight, you go, if I would have played, I might have snapped my spine in half in college because there's a big step up from, and I grew up in Texas and so Texas football, but there's a big step up from high school to college. And so I'd answered prayers, uh, the Garth Brooks song, I, I think about a lot because that was probably a good thing that I didn't play because that could have been a catastrophic injury, not knowing. But really when it started to tick up was in my 20s, I was still lifting heavy weights. I was squatting like 400 pounds. 500 pounds, you know, I mean, just, you know, thinking I'm, you know, Mr. Mr. He-Man and my, my SI joint or my sacroiliac joint started popping out a lot. And it seemed like I was putting and getting on the physical therapist, getting put back in every week. And, um, and then I it hit a point where I couldn't eat anything and I was just emaciating, you know, everything just run right through me. And it turns out that, you know, they did every test on the planet, but they couldn't figure out what was going on. And I had a friend of mine that was a doctor and he, he just said, well, walk down the hallway. Let me see. And he kind of saw something in my gate, sent me to a, a doctor and he ran the right test. And, and there's a gene that you test positive for, and I'm going to butcher it, but it, I think it's HLA-B27. That's what it is. That's a gene that you test positive for. You can have that gene and not have AS, but if you have that gene, that's what they test for. So I finally got the diagnosis after about six to eight months of really looking into it. And what happens too, is when you have a flare up, the pressure of the, of the swelling puts pressure on the nerves and sometimes it affects your intestines. So I have a lot of internal intestinal issues, diverticulitis. And, and so there's a lot of complications that stem from just not just the disease itself, but then you have other problems, psoriasis and these other things, but it really was most of my life. I mean, I don't remember, you know, a time where it wasn't in pain, you know, early, even to early on. So maybe when I was five, six. <laughs> I absolutely feel that. It's really interesting. I go to pain clinics. I've been in pain for, let's see, I'm 40. I'm in my late forties now. I've been in pain since I was like five years old and listening to their like coping techniques and why we take these classes to deal with chronic pain. I'm like, oh, that's cute. I actually don't know the other way. <laughs> yes. 
not being in pain. That that's that's an interesting. Does, does it does it bother you when someone stubs their toe and they're like, "This is the worst pain I've ever felt"? And, and... hear that I understand it. Just, I grew up with a father who had been in chronic pain from a horrible car accident, and it, everything was well. You didn't have open lung surgery. Well, you and so I with my kids, I was so specific and making sure that they felt their pain was heard. Yeah. I didn't want them to hide their pain like I did because I didn't, you know, I, I tried to like make it very quiet. I was an athlete too as a ballerina and I just didn't want anyone to know. It was like the healthiest little gazelle around the lions. Like, don't look over here. I'm fine. <laughs> I, I really wanted to make sure that everyone around me knows that pain is something that's subjective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But but, but if, if you've suffered from chronic pain and, and very severe things and someone it gets a hangnail and they're like, ah, you know, you're like, come on, man, you know, but you're right. Everybody's level's different. Yeah. And it's you know, like my, my family has to deal with, I dislocate all the time daily. I have like an arm that just will fall out or a rib that just comes like out like aliens or something. And like, I don't want my husband to feel like he can't tell me he has a cold. Like, yeah, no, no. Yeah. You don't want to shame people. My, the worst pain, because I do know people like that. And they're like, my pain is worse than any pain that you could ever imagine. You know, so I understand. Yeah. I never... I never try to, I don't say that, but inside I'm like, really? I mean, I'll shame the people who like try to shame other people, like the ones who are like, oh, well, you can't, you know, why aren't you doing all the things? What do you think that's tired? That's not tired. Like those are the people I'll start like. Well, yeah, like they're, they're trying to one up your pain. Like, oh, well, you think that hurts? You should see this. Yeah. That stuff. I'm like, oh, oh we're not paying, paying the suffering Olympics. I, I, I bowed out. You know, it's funny what you just said, because, you know, the original title of my book, the title of the book is Through the Pain, which I, I love the title. It took me a while to come to that title, but the real title was The Silent Suffering, and I thought that was too depressing. But the subline is The Silent Suffering and Triumph of a Personal Trainer. And so I wanted to put that in there because, as you mentioned, you know, when I was first diagnosed at 27, I, I sat Pete and my friends and family down like, you know, I have this disease. Now, mind you, I don't know much about it, and at the time, no one knew much about it. You know, there's more information now than ever. For everyone who is listening, who is under the age of 40, we didn't have the internet. Oh, yeah. We did not have social media. You couldn't just open your phone and look up symptoms. You would have to go to a medical library and start opening massive journals. Like just, just a quick little PSA on trying to get diagnosed back in the 80s. Oh, yeah. 80s, 90s, you know, I mean, but the thing was too, even the medical community doesn't know about much about AS back then. So yeah. they, they knew about it. There was, there wasn't any medications for it. There was, you know, they were kind of still, it was still kind of early on. I, I'm not sure when they actually started diagnosing that disease, but it's a very difficult thing to, to arrive to. And they still, and to this day, there's things, there's a lot of things they don't know about this particular disease. But I, I wanted, because, you know, I, I told everybody, sat them down, you know, like I, you know, was giving them, okay, guys, I have this disease called it, you know, I was a little serious, you know, I got something to tell you, you know, like, you know, and then they're like, well, what is it? And I'm like, I don't know. They go, what's going to happen? I'm like, I'm not sure. You know, so you're like, okay. And then they go, well, you look fine. I, that, that was the one that got me. Well, you look fine, you know, and through my life being a personal trainer, I probably have done better with my condition than some that are less active because the more sedentary you are, the more AS will creep up and keep you frozen in place. But I've been active and moving my whole life. And so maybe that's helped me be in a better place. So when I say I have a disease called AS, you know, dun, dun, dun. Then they go, well, you don't look like it. So I just stopped talking about it. I have shut up for 20 years or more and didn't start, didn't really start. I mean, most people did not know I had this. Now, the last several years, it, it kind of went into a high gear, it kind of shifted and, and I, I went to another level 
and it was harder and harder to hide at times. You leveled up. I leveled up, yeah, and not in a good way. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, it got more noticeable. People were, oh, what's going on there? And sometimes you just go, oh, my back hurts, you know, because that's an easy out. But, you know, during the pandemic, when I decided to sit down and write a book, I I'd hit the 30 years of being a personal trader work. So it was 30 years. I go, you know, I think I have something to say. And I want to talk about diseases that are not obvious to people. So maybe people could maybe have a better compassion or understanding of people that suffer to diseases that are not so common. You know, for instance, you know, when someone parks in a handicapped spot, they get out and they're not like, you know, got wheelchair or they don't have a assistant, you know, cane or anything, people go up to them and go, well, you're not, you're not handicapped. And they're like, yeah, today's a good day. I, I can actually move around a little better than what you should have seen me. You know, you don't, you had almost explain it to them because they don't have that. So I wanted to write about, because I think there's a lot of invisible, quote unquote, invisible diseases, you know, diseases that people have and suffer from that you wouldn't notice on the surface. So that was kind of the antithesis of writing it. And it's my journey of being a trader, what I've done to help get through it and all the different bad things that happen. Because depression is one of those issues. You know, depression is a thing that no one talks about that's connected to a lot of diseases, especially mine. The fatigue, I know, no one talks about the just the crippling the fatigue that comes with it too, you know where you sleep 10 hours and you still can't get out of bed, you know, because you just feel like someone just beat the knot out of you. I noticed you're getting a little emotional. No, not emotional. I'm just laughing because my bed is right here. So this is like my one day I put on makeup and brushed my hair myself. Ah. Yes, all of that. Like the just feeling like waking up like you've just been beaten. Like you just wake up sore and exhausted and in pain. Like it, it's such a different starting point than for most. Like if you're a healthy person and you're lucky enough to have not gotten to this point yet because our community, you have a full invite to us because you absolutely, if you're lucky enough to live long enough, will become one of us. And if you're still in the healthy zone, you wake up and you just brush your teeth without thinking about it. So it's one thing you do. But for, you know, maybe for you, but definitely for me, it's okay, are my ankles in place? Can I get to the bathroom? Can I safely get back to bed? So, you know, everything you're saying is just hitting absolutely home. And I, I wanted to talk about it in a way, as you notice, I'm trying to be, you know, somewhat humorous, a little light, you know, because it is a heavy subject. And so even in the book, I don't want to be all down and, oh, you know, I mean, I never want to be that, you know, oh, what was me or, you know, pity, you know, party. It's more like, well, this is what I have. This is how I'm trying to cope with it. And this is, you know, and that's why I put the triumph of a personal trainer, because I'm trying to triumph over something that is pretty debilitating at times for me. You know, I do have days where it's not as bad as others. And so I have good day, bad day. I did, I have worked with a client that has similar to what you have. And, and that's, you know, where she had hypermobile joint syndrome. Well, they changed, they changed the name of that, didn't they? It's Ehlers-Danlos. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I was, that's a very difficult. And I worked with her, you know, for, for a few years and I got to the point where she just, she was really just kind of more into doing physical therapy, you know, and kind of going that route because just we got to where she couldn't really do much of the exercise and stuff. So it's, you know, there's, like I said, I mean, you would look at her and you wouldn't know, you know, very pretty actress, you know, she just, you wouldn't, you know, unless someone tells you. And yeah, and that's all I have to say about it. I to give a lot more. <laughs> I'm really curious because like I, we had talked about earlier, I used to be a photographer. I ran my own business and my own studio through my thirties and Silicon Valley and loved my work. I really got to a good place with it. I ran it myself. I was really proud of it. And then when I got really sick, I had to very much switch my idea of what triumph or success looked like. 
How does that work for you? What do you think of when you think of triumphant? Especially with the disease and an illness. Like, I think we both have ones that are not curable. Like, it's no. long-term. And mine's degenerative. I think yours is as well. It, like I said, it, it weird. It's like we had a few years back and went to another level, which now I'm taking Hermera injections every two weeks. The biologics. Oh, my goodness, my friend. I'm so sorry. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a, a you know, I mean, it kind of compromises your immune system, but therefore I make sure that I'm extremely vaccinated, you know, with flus and, and, and COVID and things. So I can counter that. And I mean, I've been around and, and I've gotten COVID and I've, I've handled it quite well, even with immune compromise. But I think, you know, so I don't know if my immune system is quite as compromised as it could be or as with others. That's the other thing about AS is that it is so varied. You know, some people, I mean, I just spoke to a group Sunday, an AS group, and it's it's a wide range of things. You know, some one guy said, well, I have a little bit of fusion, but I have no pain. You know, and and that was very unusual. Everyone else went, boo, you <laughs> so, you have no pain. But I, I you know, triumph is a is a weird word because that means that you've already triumphed over it. But it's kind of like for me using that is that I don't let it stop me a hundred percent. Like I haven't given up. You know, triumph is continuing on in spite of, you know, whatever happens. Because you don't know. I, I might not progress any further than I am right now, or I could end up in a wheelchair. I could end up, there is a 1% chance of going blind because the optic nerve gets pressed back here and you can, you know, have, and I have affected eyesight. I have light sensitivity. I sometimes get eye twitches when the nerve is being pressed. And that's kind of irritating because it's 24 hours a day and that goes for six, eight weeks. And it's just constant twitching eye. And, you know, so, and I do have blurred vision when I have a really bad flare up. So they do have, you know, some that so, but there's a very slow, small chance of, of going blind. I try not to focus on what could be and then try to just focus in the now, stay in the present and do what I can do. The medications, take the, you know, the supplements to, you know, exercise, stretch, you know, do, do the things that I can do to counter it. And then whatever happens, happens, you know, if I'm eating right and doing all the things that I can do the best of I can and continue to learn and knowledge when the new stuff comes and then that's triumph to me is, is that I'm not giving up no matter what. And I, like I said, I try to focus, stay in the present opposed to what could happen down the road. So talk to me about that because that's one of the things that a lot of us are dealing with is, you know, there's this idea of like a house sort of episode, you know, where some brilliant person comes in, tells you what you have, gives you a complete prognosis and you know what's going to happen. With diseases like we have, we're, we're the orphan diseases, which means there's not a lot of research. There's not a lot of money that goes into anything for these disorders. How are you able to stay in the present? Do you have like a meditation exercise? What do you do to just try to stay, you know, zen? Well, that's that's a great question because I, when, I, when I do the talks, I do a whole thing on the, you know, I think there's a, a lot of things that I do that try to keep it. And I found that there's a few things, you know, like routine, you know, I mean, I have more in recent time, I have a, a new dog. Well, she's, she's an old new dog. She's a new dog to me, but an old dog. She's 11. And like I said, I just spoke to a group on Sunday. So that group, and I said, look, this might sound weird, but I think one of the things to do is to get a dog because my dog doesn't care if I having a little bit of a flare up, she needs to get walked. Now that walk might be shorter, but it, it forces me to have to move on the days that I might not necessarily move. And movement is good for you, even if it's pain in my condition. I'm not talking about other conditions. 
We are not giving medical advice here. No, I'm not giving medical advice. And none of my advice is medical. It's only through what I know from personal training and my own personal experience. But, you know, there's a few times where you need to be bedridden with what I have. And that's when things are just gone really, really bad and everything's spasmed and you just have to just give up and say, okay, meds and lie down and that's it. But most of the time, movement is good, even if it's just a little bit. So having a dog and don't get a puppy when you have a condition. Don't get a puppy. They're too much work. Get an older dog and they're very thankful and they're easier to deal with because they sleep as much, a lot like I do with the condition. So, you know, they're not super energetic where they're like, it's a real hard thing. The second thing I do is I do a meditation stretch in the morning. I use the Calm app or I have other meditations that you can do the 10 minute meditation, which is usually what I do because it's short, but it's, it's enough time to just chill out. And I lie on the ground on my mat and do that. And then you're kind of in a relaxed state. It's the best time to go ahead and do my stretches. And I do the stretches and then I, I get on with the day. And through the day, I mean, I can do a gratitude list, you know, and with a gratitude list, it, it takes you out of the bad stuff. Oh, and I have enough money. Oh, I'm not making enough. Oh, I'm in pain or whatever. You know, the gratitude list is like taking the focus and focusing on the positive. Like, well, I have a roof over my head. I have a dog that I love. It, it could be, you know, I, I got out of bed today. That could be, you'd be grateful that you could get out of bed. I mean, it could be the smallest things. I'm driving along and I see people that are homeless that have it a lot worse than I do. And so there's a lot of times we get so bogged down as this bad things happening to us that we forget get to appreciate the things that are good in our lives, you know? And so that's what I do is, is a gratitude list. I journal with meditation. Exercise is a good way to clear your head and stay in the present and, and just know that I'm doing everything in my power to find this. And the one thing that I'd say, I'd say that I don't understand why, but I've never been this, oh, what was me? Why this happened to me? When I got the diagnosis, I was actually relieved because one doctor said it was probably in my head. It was, you know, mental and this and that. And the diagnosis was like, oh, well, at least I have something, you know. Now, that's not great, but it was better than it being all made up in my head, you know, when they tell you that. Because that's what they go to when they can't figure it out. They go, well, you must be just making it up. You're, you want attention, whatever. But then the doctor that actually diagnosed it kind of, this was his recommendation. This is how little was not about it. He goes, well... Make sure that your posture is good and you stand upright. So when you fuse, you fuse standing straight up instead of humped over. That was as if I was like, yeah, good times. So those are the kind of the things that I try to, to do to, to, to stay the president. And then also the last thing is to help others. And, and I go out and I try to help the homeless and, and volunteer. And, and when you put the focus on others, I think. That is, you know, I just started doing a seniors class at a, at a, at a uh, senior facility and it's rewarding because you're helping these people that, you know, they're in the last stages, but they've been in a home, but they're still there and they're, they're they really are appreciative of the movement, the activity, and that's really rewarding to you. So, I mean, first off, I absolutely agree with everything you said, especially the gratitude parts. I know when I'm having a really bad pain day, I go through all the body parts that aren't hurting. And I think those body parts, and it might sound silly, but like, thank you, eyes. Thank you. I, no tooth pain today. Yay. And it just that's the brain on like what you're actually thinking about. Sometimes it's just the earlobe though. That was just like. I, I've been there. Like, it's just my, my earlobe didn't hurt. That's, that's the only one that didn't hurt. <laughs> 
I feel that. And like I get stuck in bed all the time. So I actually set up Pilates equipment on my bed frame so that I can still do like a lot because that's what happened with Joseph Pilates. That's how he started things was he was bedridden and he started this whole thing. And you can actually set up really cool stuff on your bed frame to be able to do whatever you're capable of doing at any point. And the dogs, oh my gosh, yes, I could not agree more. Dogs and cats are, and I wish someone would start some sort of nonprofit to be able to help disabled and elderly people have pets when they can't physically care for them. It's, it's such a uh, good thing for the heart and soul. I don't know if you're okay with discussing this, but the Superman complex is something I feel like I run up against a lot of when I'm in physical therapy or when I'm doing physical activity of trying to prove I can do more than I should. How do you do that? Because I think we're very similar and we could overdo it and get really hurt. How do you overcome that idea of running to the wall with something? It's a good question. I think it's trial and error for me. I mean, it was like, oh, that didn't go well today. You know, like you do something one day and the next day you're like, oh yeah, that, that sucked. Dad, I shouldn't do that. And I think listening to my body is, is really where that lies. And, and I might have a leg up on the average person because my entire life has been personal training and working out and physical fitness. And I was into it when I was in high school and I just continued. I mean, I was a floor trainer when I was 19 years old, working in a gym at a high school. So I've always worked in a gym. Like, so I might have an advantage over knowing good pain, bad pain, stuff I should do, can't do. And then the days that, oh, today you should not work out because if you turn wrong, the SI joint might pop out of place or something. So, you know, I make mistakes all the time. I mean, it's like, well, I didn't know that was going to mess me up. Why didn't biceps curls hurt my, you know, leg? <laughs> you know, sometimes there's no rhyme or reason. You go, well, that's. So a lot of times I err on the side of caution. In other words, I've let my ego go and the Superman part of me go and say, do what you can do as much as you can. And you know where the low line is and you know when you cross it. Today is a good example. I'm feeling pretty good today. Maybe why I'm super happy. No, I could change later in the day, but I woke up decent, walked my dog and felt pretty good about it. And I'm like, yeah, this is a good day. So working out today, I might be able to do something more than I could on a day that I'm like, ah, you know, so just knowing, know thyself, you know, know your body, know your capabilities. And then I know the things that I can't do anymore. And I talk about in my talks, the acceptance of, I used to play basketball every week, r routinely for 20 some odd years on seven, seven o'clock on Sunday nights. Did it when I was in Texas, did it when I was here in, in LA. And I had to stop several years ago. And I miss it because that was one of the most my favorite thing to do, I looked forward to. But I knew there was a finite amount of time. And so I try to enjoy it as much as I could, as long as I could. And there is that back of my head that says, maybe you can do it again one day. Now that that might be wishful thinking or might be able to, I don't know. I mean, I've hit a rough patch and maybe like today, maybe I should try to play. <laughs> and then, then I rip something and they're like, no, I shouldn't have, you know, I learned that lesson, but that's hard and, and accepting the things that I can no longer do. But that comes in the whole meditative appreciation, gratitude, kind of all that together is just, you know, I don't know, I, I, I wasn't an AA, but it's like, you know, what grab me the things, you know, things I can't change. What is, I don't know the saying, but that, that saying kind of applies. It's like, give me the strength to know the difference of what, you know, I can accept or what I can't, you know, I, I, I'm butchering that. I don't know if you know that. I think we get the general idea. I think it's grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change and to know the difference. I think y'all get this here. But generally speaking, but that should, that applies to that, not just for AA, that applies to 
to lies. Everything. To everybody, you know. So, and they have that, that has been their slogan, but it's been around before that. So I, I think that applies a lot for me. John, I cannot thank you enough for giving us your time today. And you don't want to keep going? I would love to, unfortunately, <laughs> be a nonprofit podcast. And I only have the free version of Zoom. So it lets me record for about 40 minutes. But <laughs> I thank you so much. I would actually kidnap you for the rest of the day, especially if you want to talk about dogs. I cannot talk about dogs enough. No, I get it. We will have your book right up front and center on our show notes. Let me do my, my shameless plug real quick. The book is called Through the Pain. The Silent Suffering and Triumph of a Personal Trainer by John K. Frazier. It's on Amazon from Kindle and paperback. Get your copy today. <laughs> I love it. Good, good elevator pitch. And if you need a home gym find, if you are in yeah. LA, is that right? Studio City? Yes. If you're in Studio City and need a personal trainer who actually understands boundaries and it injuries, that is right the list to find a personal trainer who actually knows what this is all like. That's amazing. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We really appreciate it. I think we've now been going for seven years. So thank you. And I think we just hit the 300,000 download mark. So I am very grateful. You know, we don't do advertising. So that's all you guys sharing. Be kind, be gentle, be about us, and I'll see you all in two weeks. Thank you for joining us today. To find out more about today's episode, including show notes, transcripts, and more, please visit invisiblenotbroken.com. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support this show by heading over to our Patreon or by sharing these episodes. We are not advertising, and our growth is thanks to you listeners. Thank you to our host, Monica and John, for a wonderful discussion. This episode was edited by me, Luke Spine. Last but not least, be kind, be gentle, and be badass.